Crime Wives is a true crime podcast. Some of the content on this show might be too graphic for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys, and welcome to Crime Wives. I'm your host, Veronica. And I'm your host, Destiny. Before we get into things, if you guys haven't already, if you could do us a huge favor and give us a follow on... Well, first of all, Instagram is a place that we both get on, like, every day just to check and be like, hi, fans. <laughs> hey, guys. We love you. So, uh, Instagram's huge for us, but Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we are Crime Wives Podcast. Give us a follow and like us or like our stuff. Just show us that you're there. Show your friends about <laughs> us if you like us. It'd be weird if you're like, I hate them. Look at this. But you know what? Honestly, the more the merrier. Yeah. You hate if you us. hate us, please go tell someone. Because, <laughs> like, we don't care. Um, and then if you have any suggestions, that's, um, a huge one for us is that we love every now and then to get a, one of those things you want to hear about or hear. I don't know why I'm super flattered whenever someone's like, I just want to, I already know this, but can you guys do this story? Cause I want to hear you guys talk about it. Can Which, I hear your voice? Yeah. Like, like, absolutely. <laughs> Hello. Do you want me to do a low one? Like, or do you want me to, yeah. What um, voice? Do you want us to get sick before we talk? <laughs> Cause I can and will do this. <laughs> But um, that's Gmail, or at the Gmail that we have is uh, crimewivespodcast at gmail.com is where you can send us your, you know, your stories you want to hear, your suggestions. We've had people just tell us that we're wrong about stuff. That's fine. Because you know what? We weren't, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But at the time, we were not. But you know what? If we are... I do want to know about it, and I will address it on the next episode yeah, if I'm we, incorrect if, about something. If we can do any corrections, let us know. Yeah. Um, I mean, we try to keep everything as accurate as possible, but also we get conflicting stories. We look this up for hours, and we're getting one story here, one story here, one story over here. So we're just trying to say what either... We're just trying to make it the as way it should be. cohesive as is possible. However, if you know it's wrong... We're not offended if yeah. you happen to know the right information. Just let us know. And we'll correct ourselves on the next one. And if you want to do it anonymously, that's fine. Also, if you if you just feel interested and you like us, you can go to um, anywhere that you're listening right now and rate and review us. And uh, that'll help us. So if you want to help us, please do that. Thank you. And we were going to start this day off talking about Destiny's new wall art in her... Beautiful, beautiful recording studio that is, in fact, also a garage. (laughs) And she, someone, not her, definitely not Destiny, had hung a beautiful photo of, it's like an actual canvas, very legit, four loco sign. It is literally a four loco framed advertisement. It has every flavor you can buy. It says four loco. And it also is what feels like a real accurate representation of her husband. That's why somebody bought it for him. I think they found it at a garage sale, and they're like, four locos? Yeah, yeah. I got so stoked, walked in, saw it on her wall, and then um, now it's her mouse pad. It's off the wall now. Because that is that is what happens when people move our recording studio around. Yeah. And you decide know, foosball's more important. Yeah, and you know what probably happened is that all of our dude friends came over. They were playing foosball in your in your recording studio slash garage, <laughs> and someone was drunk and was like, what the hell? Why isn't this on the wall? This is beautiful art. And they literally put a nail in the wall uh-huh. and hung it up. Oh, that nail wasn't there before? No. Oh, nope. wow. That well, was commitment. And do you know who it probably was? Brandon. Oh. It was Mr. Handyman, who I came in and I'm like, why, he probably... <laughs> why is your shirt off, dude? You know, it's hung up there with a screw. He probably had the screw in his friggin' pocket. Yeah, and he's like, here we go. And he just like 
probably just pounded it in the wall and Alex is drunk and he's like, well, okay, well, Alex that looks really like, good right there. beautiful. <laughs> just explains me. So anyways, uh, welcome to Crime Wives. <laughs> uh, welcome to Crime Wives. What are you up to this week, Destiny? Honestly, I mean, I've been busy because I just keep myself busy still. You're going to hear that every week. I'm going to be like, well, I'm busy. Well, duh, because that's just what I do to myself. Dude, our, um, one of, any, if we ever have like a huge fan following base or enough people to like start hashtags, it's not going to be like hashtag crime wives. It's going to be hashtag destiny's busy. <laughs> it really will be. Um, so yeah, I'm always busy. I'm just, I have plans hanging out with friends. I mean, I'm back. Um, I witnessed her make plans for someone else who's a single male for the next two Fridays. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I committed to one Friday. But you know, but anybody that knows him damn well knows that he's going to be like, so you remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago and yeah. I'm like, you're an idiot. But yeah, sure. But you yeah, sure. totally go. You know that Friday you guys were talking about, I am actually going to be going to the casino. So you guys could go up. Shut. Okay. Well, so plans have changed. I'll inform him. <laughs> On Friday. Yo, Shane, you are not listening to this, but you are now going to the casino. But I'll let him know this Friday when we make plans that I just made for him that we're actually going to the casino instead. So that's where I'll be. Um, (laughs) No, but just hanging out. Honestly, just hanging out with a lot of friends, family, Catching up on all your... Well, that's what happens. You get married, you leave, and then you come back and you're like, guys, I gotta tell everyone. Yeah, and I'm like, what'd you guys do too? (laughs) I was gone. Just entertain my FOMO. Let's just do it. They did nothing while you were gone. I know. I'm like, what crazy What crazy things happened? They're like, girl, you were gone for a week. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing like, has taken place. Maybe less people hung out because you weren't constantly like, hey, let's do something. Destiny's busy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's me. What about you? Well, because I didn't go on my honeymoon, I was here in the small town doing nothing. But I did find out today, yesterday? Yesterday. Just came upon Forensic Files. <laughs> has a podcast that's just recordings of the show. Okay. Okay. First of all... I can get behind that. I, as a, as a, as a true Forensic Files fan, I should know the guy's name who does all of, you know, the voice. The yeah. voice. It's like the dramatic music and then he's like, Brittany didn't know that she was gonna blah 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 or Brittany was on her <laughs> way to work one day and then an unsuspect... Okay, yeah. So, first of all, his voice has been following me for the last four days of my life. And I've been catching up on Forensic Files that I have watched in my life, but I was like nine. That's how long I've been in. I remember this. (laughs) Yeah. I remember sitting on my mom's couch eating cereal Saturday morning. I wasn't watching Recess. I was watching Forensic Files. But yes. (laughs) You're like, exactly. It was on after Recess, so I got it all in. Gotcha, gotcha. Well rounded. Um, So I found that podcast the other day, and and I don't, I'm going to say Monday, and it's now Wednesday. And. I have been deep. I, the, it's funny you would say that I um, have heard them before. I was listening to one and I was like, oh, it's the Tylenol one. I know all about this. <laughs> You're this like, I remember good. watching this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's what I have spent my week doing. Uh, all other things are exactly as is. Child goes to preschool. He's great at preschool. He did get his eye screening back yesterday, and they're like, hey, um, we're going to send you some stuff about how he might need glasses. I'm like, I could have told you guys that. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> he does the, if he's going to look at something, and he's done this since, like, age one. For anyone who doesn't have children, when kids have their first eye screening, they do it around, I think it's, like, right when they turn four, and when he had his eye screening, I went, like, I should have probably spoke up more for him, mm-hmm. but 
the whatever eye screening thingy majigger they were using uh it didn't it wasn't working that day and so they like held it up to his face and she was like and what's this shape and he was like a circle and it was like a star <laughs> it wasn't a star but it was like the shape of a house yeah and he knew all his other shapes and all that and then the farther it got away it wasn't it was okay then but she was pointing at some things and she's like well, our arm our eye machine's been broken all day long and there's been so many screenings so let's go in the room and i probably that day should have been like I don't know if it was the eye machine. <laughs> like it might be my child. It might actually be his broken eyes, and he, yes, his broken eyes. Okay. <laughs> so, um, hi, parenting one hundred and one. If their eyes are broken, speak up for them. But he's probably gonna get glasses here soon, so he'll be so cute with I glasses. I know. I keep thinking he's doing little, little. Yeah. So he's gonna be cute, and he's gonna have some glasses, probably, most likely. He asked um, Travis yesterday because uh, his dad wears glasses and contacts, but Travis usually wears contacts. And he asked um, his dad if he has to wear tacons. <laughs> He's oh. like, oh, no, because I was telling Travis about it when he got home. I was like, eh, he didn't pass the screening at school, but we knew that. We had an idea. And Travis was like, yeah, absolutely. You get to have cute glasses like me and mom. And I was like, um. Travis was like, well, we are not currently wearing them. And <laughs> so Lika was like, do I have to wear toncax? <laughs> or, oh. I can't even remember. He called him like, yeah, he said something like toncax. It was very cute. But anyways, that's it for me. Forensic Files, my kid needs glasses. <laughs> okay, okay. So what are you going to be talking about this week? So this week, as previously mentioned, I've been watching Forensic Files. Listening to? Okay, this one was, I watched it. I fell asleep, had an awful dream unrelated to, but <laughs> um, this one, well, kind of related to. Anyways, not going to get in my dreams. No one fucking cares. This one is called, the episode is called Bad Blood, and I thought for sure it meant because there was like a fight going on or something like that, but nope, mm-mm. So get ready to get real mad. Oh, jeez. Um, the places that I got my, one of, there's a, there's a freaking website called ForensicFilesNow.com. This is a place that I got a lot of information from. Um, that's, it kind of follows the episode, so. Nice. Um, that was helpful. And then a podcast that's a little bit older, this specific episode, a little bit older, called Kim Knows Nothing. Very funny, by the way. Um, they did the best timeline of this. And then, of course, Wikipedia. Wikipedia is great. All the time. I actually donated to Wikipedia today because it popped up and was like, hey, yo. And I was like, oh my gosh, I get so much from you. <laughs> You're like, I use you so much. Here, you, here's yeah. some money. Here's my money. Yeah. So. This is called, this episode is from Forensic Files, and it's called Bad Blood. The story focuses on a few people, but first we're going to start with, get ready for this, John Schneeberger. Schneeberger. Mm-hmm. Was born in 1961 in North Rhodesia, or Rhodesia. Uh, North Rhodesia is known as Zambia today and is a country in South Africa. So I was like, where are we going with this? Yeah, of course... When I first read this, I was like, he's North Rhodesian. I don't even want... I literally was like, is this what Rhode, Rhode Island people call it? <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as I kept going, I was like, you're dumb, you're dumb, stop it, stop it. <laughs> so um, he was born in Zambia, which that's what it's called today, um, which is in South Africa. And um, so the I did need to put this here that the podcast that I listened to today, they were like, so he's a white dude with a South African accent. And that sounds great. It, it's an, it's <laughs> appeal to me that would win me over otherwise, but nothing else does about him. 
Oh, moving on. Good to know. Yep. Uh-huh. So, John Schneeberger uh, later trained um, at Stellenbosch University and received his medical license in 1987. And then he uh, immigrated to Saskatchewan. Oh, it's a mouthful for me. It's in Canada. Everyone knows what it is. Saskatchewan. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. And then, in 1991, um, he was now 30 years old. He moved to a small town called Kipling, Canada. Well, he had, like, immigrated to Canada. And then moved to this small town and married Lisa Dillman, who was 31. Lisa recently divorced. She had two children, a son who I think at the time, and um, this is me reading one area that I don't necessarily trust as far as age went. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had they had ages all over the place. So I believe her son was young, and he was four, and then her daughter was six. And that's whenever she married um, John. Then in 1995 and 1996, they have two daughters of their own. So they now have four children. Hers are from the previous marriage. And then, of course, I need to set the scene for the town that they live in. It's a small town, um, but like... We call ours a small town, but I'm pretty sure it's, like, smaller (laughs) than ours. It's like Almsville? Yeah, maybe even smaller. Small, small. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone is friends with each other, obviously everyone, or knows each other in some way. Um, The crime rate was very low, but everything is very small business. Of course, this is, like, the early 90s, so that, like, changes things a little bit, but it's very small town because you're going to have some questions as I go on. I did, anyways. As these stories most often start off, by all accounts, they had a good marriage. Dr. Schneeberger was a great husband and obviously a standout in his community because his community was small. (laughs) And he was a doctor who ran his private practice in a very small town. People knew him, duh, and obviously they liked him. There's like five people. People knew him. (laughs) That's because he was related to them Everyone on that street knew of the practice. (laughs) So... Uh, however, in a total non-coincidental move, on Halloween night in 1992... There we go. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, okay, this is Happy on, October. It's on brand <laughs> for this month. Um, an event takes place that would kind of change his life, for sure, um, and some other people's. So, we're going to introduce our next character. This is a woman by the name of Candace Foley, um, or more often referred to as Candy. So, I'm just going to keep referring to her as Candy. Here is how ForensicFilesNow.com referred to her. She was a single mother with a high school diploma, a job at a gas station, and a reputation as a partier. On the local totem pole, Candy was basically the part buried in the grand ground. Ouch. And she was 23 years old. That's literally how I was like, ooh, ooh. She was 23. Let her be a party girl. I mean, I, she was a mother. Yeah. But. But you're 23. You're 23 years old. Yeah, so I get what they're trying to do here. They're trying to be like, you'll see why they described her this way. Okay. On this night specifically, um, she was working. Her boyfriend, Danny, stops by the gas station that she worked at. um, And the couple, at some point while he's there, gets into an argument. And this turns into, like, a very heated argument. And I initially thought perhaps that it was like a... um, a physical altercation mm-hmm. because she gets so upset that she goes she leaves she sort of leaves i don't know if she's like on shift and no one else is there i don't know if the, yeah. there's someone else there she gets very upset angry candy leaves the gas station and she goes 
straight to visit a friend. I don't know who the friend is. I don't know that, but um, it's at Kepling Union Hospital. However, her friend was not there when she arrives. So whatever happened during the fight between her and her boyfriend, she leaves super hysterical. Yeah. And I'm going to use this word because they use this word. It's not one of my favorite words. Hysterical. It's just not. There's other ways to describe someone. But anyways, or a woman. Anyways. Um, And she was a wreck. A nurse is like, um, you should see a doctor. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, This nurse takes her to see the on-shift doctor. As it turns out, the on-shift doctor was actually her regular doctor, and the same doctor who had even delivered her daughter. Oh, wow. And that's Dr. John Schneeberger. <laughs> okay, okay. I hate his name. Uh, so, of course, uh, she's comfortable with seeing this guy because she knows him pretty well, and so they. I'm assuming from here she's like, gets checked in, gets a room. And this is the part for me that I'm like, what? But it's small town. I It's some private practice. She goes in to see someone and then there's a doctor there. So I'm not, yeah. not sure how this... Yeah. Okay. So here's how the events unfold. She goes and sees the doctor strictly based off of her being upset after what happened with her and her boyfriend. Um, I don't even know that their fight was, like I said, it's... I thought when I initially read it that I thought it was like a physical altercation And that's that why place. she was seeing the doctor and right. whatnot. Turns out that probably wasn't what happened. She was just really upset, and for whatever reason, the nurse was like, you should see a doctor. Well, maybe she needs, like, a psych console or something like that. Maybe. Like, but it's y- also a small town in USA. He saw so a baby come out of your vagina. He could probably also help you psychologically? Who knows? I have no idea. Anyways, private practice, he's probably trained in all the things. Moving. Okay. Oh, Apparently, he tells her, um, and this is my own take on how the conversation goes. Candy, I think you're, I think you're so hysterical. And then I also put, I hate that word, um, that I think you need a sedative. Okay. okay. Uh-huh. And uh, at first, I'm sure she's thinking, oh, he's going to prescribe me some kind of pill that'll make me feel better. Instead, however, he gives her a shot, get ready, that makes her go numb all over her body immediately after being injected. She cannot move any part of her body. I thought it was going to get real weird. I thought it was going to be like, and then he poked her with his weeder. Whoa, whoa. Well. Oh, God. She loses all control of her muscles and her mouth, and she cannot scream or cry out. She's totally awake and coherent, but otherwise had lost all control of the rest of her body. Hi. This is where I put my own note. Hi, worst nightmare. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Uh, I have had dreams where I wake up in the middle of surgery. Okay? Okay. Oh. But I can't move, and I'm like, ooh, telling people, but I... In my dreams, I just have to pee. Moving on. Stop talking about your dreams. (laughs) From here, what she later describes happening um, is her account is that she kind of remembers like a pushing feeling. Like he's like moving her body a little bit. And she knows that she falls over onto the exam table. And then she loses consciousness for a, quote, couple of hours. Oh, my God. So, like, good sedative. So when she does finally come to, she wakes up feeling, quote, unwell. And this crazy feeling that she probably got raped. Uh, yeah. Okay. This is the part where I put my own very specific notes. Uh, I just felt compelled to just a quick brief for anyone who might not have the same body parts as us and might be like, how the hell do you wake up feeling like you just got raped? And I just put here, we wake up or we don't, hopefully, but you just know, you just know when something has entered that part of your body, okay? It's like if you put a Q-tip in, you know the Q-tip's there. 
If you take the Q-tip out for a few seconds, you know the Q-tip has been there. Okay. I just needed to say that part because I think that anyone that doesn't understand the, the part where you just wake up, quote, feeling like you've been raped sounds bananas. I would, I would honestly just probably put it to if a guy were going pee, you know what it's like to pee after you have sex. Yeah. That's probably, it's it's not the same feeling, but it's similar. Like, you just know. You just know. At that point. Yeah. I mean, I know that, yeah. It takes you a long time to pee after a dude, doesn't it? Don't you ever notice? You're like, are you still wanting to pee? (laughs) (laughs) But I know with guys, it's just very. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So, you just know. I just needed to put here, for anyone that's listening, that's like, how do you, you just know that you've had sex, and, but they're calling it raped, but your body parts don't feel the same, okay? So. It's just a small space. Moving on. Um, Also, I did put here, especially if you fall asleep under very suspicious conditions. That kind (laughs) of changes shit. Yeah. Okay. So because she wakes up feeling this way, she decides she might need to do something to keep track of this um, or get some evidence, which, like, smart. Um, While she is in the office, like, she wakes up in the same room. She's in the office. She takes off her underwear and she puts them in, like, a plastic bag that I'm assuming she, like, wakes up all groggy find some drawers and was like what the yeah and then decides to take her underwear off put them in there a nurse finally comes in to check on her though and she chooses not to tell the nurse about how she's feeling you were so smart Mm -hmm. well she was so smart yeah no i don't even know that telling the nurse would do anything quite honestly um in my when i first read this i'm like that my first take on this was that the nurse suggested she see a doctor because she's hysterically crying like, is the nurse in the I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. That's a stretch to me. It's a but... stretch, but okay. So the nurse still suggests that she should stay the night? Question mark. <laughs> this is the part where I'm like, where the hell is she? And she's like, if I went she's to my doctor's Podunk office right USA, now. USA. Smaller yes. than Almsville. You are correct. Because <laughs> if I went to my doctor's right now, and the nurse is like, oh, honey, you should stay the night. You're so heartbroken over your boyfriend. <laughs> like... I they, my doctor would be like, you should go talk to your mom. Yeah. Or your psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah. Bye. I have Leave. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Go home. <laughs> so I'm not sure that she actually took this advice, and I put weird offer, or if she went home and then comes back. But in the morning, she decides to confront the doctor. So when confronting the doctor, she, of course, is like, what kind of drug did you give me last night? And... Um, her account of his response was, why do you want to know what kind of drug I gave you? Did it give you wild erotic dreams? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice response. Uh-huh. So, which as you know, this is my own, okay, is a super common side effect of general anesthesia. <laughs> like, patient might feel slightly dizzy, maybe a little nauseous, perhaps even a little horny with a side effect of wild and erotic. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, no. Obviously, that's just, okay. So, she's asking about the drug, and he's already, in what my opinion is, trying to lay down the groundwork for why she might be feeling this way. Mm-hmm. And um, I imagine he was probably like, oh, Candy, stop being hysterical. Jesus. <laughs> I, had to, I had to use that word one more time. Okay. Probably feeling the most anger she's ever felt in her entire life, she goes to her parents and tells them what happened, and I think they kind of encouraged her to go to this office and um, where she could get a rape clinic or a rape test. So she goes to a rape clinic in a city called Regina that is... <laughs> mm-hmm, let's take a moment. Get out of here. <laughs> 
it's over an over an hour away. Anyway, this rape test, um, in this rape test, they recover a semen sample, um, a semen sample, a semen sample. She's about the entire <laughs> night at the, if she stayed at the doctor, they recovered a semen sample, which like, okay. As well as a drug called Versed. It's spelled Versed, and I looked it up and it's called Versed. And this drug is still in her system. So two things. She has a semen sample in her vagine or... Regina. <laughs> Regina. Which is where she's at. And um, she has a drug still in her system that is a drug that's clearly administered from a doctor's office. Yeah. To red me, flags. Yes, red flag. Also, this drug is usually used as a pre-anesthetic for patients who are about to go under surgery, mm-hmm. which from someone who's had a lot of surgeries in her life, I can say you literally can't move. But you can, well, I could still talk. I don't know. It's all different. It's yeah. Said, more that's, ridic- that's just ridiculous. It's not 1991. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Uh, the general side effects of that specific drug are sleepiness, losing control of your limbs. So there's that. What about the erotic dreams? And, you know, I it's in there. This doctor claims it's in there. <laughs> so, of course, she follows her gut, goes to the police, tries to accuse him officially. However, as these infuriating stories tend to always go, the community defends him. Like all Fucking five people. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> like his, all of his children. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, Kevling. I'm sure you're big now, but 1991. Ugh. Yeah. So, shocker, I know, but uh, he's a stand up doctor for the whole community. Um, and she's just, again, let's bring up the quote the buried part in the ground of the locum totem pole. Oh, yeah. She's just the party, the 23 year old party mom. Yeah, yeah. So, in 1992, if you were. In that mindset, and not as as far advanced as we are, who would you want to believe? I probably would be like, go Candy. Anyways, <laughs> basically, the rumors uh, question why Candy didn't say something to the nurse that walked in uh, that night, and of course, accuse her of being a single mom that works at a gas station who's trying to get a settlement out of a rich doctor. Got some personal vendetta about that whole statement. Moving on. So, in attempt to eliminate... All of the suspicions, Dr. Schneeberger agrees to do a blood test for his DNA samples. And the test results come back to show that he is not a match to the DNA recovered from her rape test. Dun, dun, dun. What? I even wrote dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay. However. It was his, he was a partial? Okay. Go. No. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, no. What is happening? It didn't go. match. It was the nurse. Yeah. Oh, what? No. <laughs> Okay. I said yeah. <laughs> it's not the nurse. Okay, keep okay. going, keep going. However, I wanted... <laughs> this doesn't stop Candy at all. She knew from the moment she woke up, woke up that something wasn't right about that night. And obviously, if you're, I, I'm going to assume she stayed there overnight and that she woke up and her lady parts didn't feel the same. And yeah. also, she was given a sedative. That made, yeah, whatever. Hours and hours of sleep. Anyways. The way that he administered the drugs, all of the evident or all of the events that followed, how her lady parts felt when she woke up, she just knew that in some way she wasn't taken advantage of, and that she, in her brain, was not going to stop until she figured this out. Like, yeah. y- y- sometimes your gut go just tells candy. you. What. I literally, my next note is, "Go get it, girl." <laughs> I put a lot of U R L O O, girl, girl, get yeah. it, girl. Yeah, I was on one on my lunch today. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, <laughs> finally, because of uh, the stink that she puts up in August of 1993, police get Dr. Schneeberger to agree to, I can't say his name any other way, sorry, 
to agree to another DNA sample because um, in this year of time, what? In this year of time? Candy made it very clear that she thought there was a strong chance that the DNA sample was like, that, that was previously given was somehow tampered with or Contaminated something. Contaminated something happened. Yeah. Okay, by now, the doctor had been promoted to chief of medical staff, but also like... Over its four kids. Very small town. (laughs) Yes. Oh, man, that's going to come back and haunt you. Sweet. Okay. Medical staff and people probably loved and respected him even more because he moved up in the world and people are some totem pole girls that are in the dirt or calling them names. Whatever. <laughs> I can't. A rant for days. If anyone ever <laughs> described me that way, I would just, that'd be it for me. I'd be out. Bye. I have to leave now and go be a totem pole at, not in the dirt. Ugh. Made me mad. <laughs> I can tell. Moving on. This DNA collecting situation was much different from the first time. This time there was a police officer there, or two, I think, maybe. A nurse collected the blood, handed it over to the police. They took it over to one of their labs and tested it. However, yet again, DNA sample didn't match. And Candy looks, yet again, like a crazy. In fact, in a quote I found, says, The test results seem to confirm a townspeople's suspicion that Candy was lying and she had a crush on Schneeberger and um, was retaliating because he rejected her. According to an autopsy, wait, no, according to <laughs> Auto Spy, my apologies, which is an Fake HBO. Difference. Yeah, according to Auto Spy. Somebody died. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you guys missed it, but there's an autopsy and someone was murdered. God damn it. <laughs> Back to Auto Spy. Listen, Auto Spy looks a lot like Auto Touche, touche, it does. Yeah. So, according to Autopsy, an HBO docuseries. Oh, <laughs> just said it. I'm so confident that this show is called I'm so confident according to autopsy. I'm sorry. Why is it all one word? Why can't it you be put a, put a space in there just for yourself? I wasn't looking at for me. This is a quote, remember? Okay, sorry. Okay. Please don't cut this. Just leave it. It's here. Okay. According to Auto Spy. An HBO docuseries that produced a segment about the case. That's all I was trying to say. So anyways, there was a show that did a, called Auto Spy <laughs> that did a show about how she was lying. Okay, just keep that in mind as okay. we move forward. The doctor, of course, told the media that the drug he gave her um, could produce erotic hallucinations erotic hallucinations, and the doctor's wife, Lisa Schneeberger, was even recorded on TV calling Candy a slut. Just I mean, it. okay. Yeah. Also, were no other doctors in the world like, I've used this medicine. I've never heard of erotic dreams. Like, the company, are they like, yeah, this is our medication. Like, no one thought it's to investigate these erotic side effects. dreams. I mean, I hope, I have, again, have been put under a ton of times. I'm pretty sure at one point in my life, I might have even had whatever drug this was. I don't know for sure. Right. I can tell you I've never, right about to go to sleep, was like, oh, I'm so horny. <laughs> you wake up and you're like, damn, like, oh, that I, erotic dream. No, I'm just always <laughs> in the middle of talking about something. They wake up and like, best sleep of my life. Anyone? Okay. <laughs> they're like, so. ma'am, you almost, <laughs> never mind. Okay. Yeah. Almost went dark. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. So, because of not being able to match DNA, they had 
to eventually just halt the investigation entirely. I mean, I'm going to honestly tell you if at this point they've done two DNA tests yes. and I was an onlooker, I'd be like, Candy, Absolutely. Especially if there's a town of people being like, she ain't that cool. Sorry, she's the dirt of our totem pole. She ain't <laughs> great. Like, let's... Now we get why they described her that way. Okay. Four years goes by. Now it's March 23rd of 1996, and Candy, who refuses to give up, hires a private investigator. His name is Larry O'Brien, and he starts investigating the case. Larry, the private investigator, breaks into the doctor's car and obtains a very small DNA sample from, um, I think, Chapstick. Um, This time, the sample matched the semen on the victim's underwear, and pants. So he gets into the car. He says, okay, I got some. Well, he, I think he got some hair from the car. And they were yeah. like, this is a no-go. He's like, great news. I also got some stuff in the chapstick. <laughs> and they were like, all right, let's test that. It matches the DNA on the underwear and the pants. Unfortunately, because this sample was technically stolen evidence. Yeah. Because he broke into the goddamn car. I mean, like, he was like, I'm a private investigator. I just need to let my client know that she's right. He did that. Great yeah. job on him. But they can't really use that in an an official investigation. So, Candy files a civil suit against him, and now Schneeberger is forced to do yet another DNA test. This test has actual video footage on YouTube, in case you're wondering. So, there's that. Wow. Look it up. The blood test technician, and it's awkward, like it's an awkward, it's like an overhead cape. The blood test technician goes to take the sample of his blood from his finger, which is where they usually take it when, like, you're in, like, a court of law. Mm-hmm. They take it to the tip of your finger. He refuses and tells her that he has a condition that makes his hands super duper bruisey. Um, and that he asks her to take it from his arm in the video. Okay, specific reason. Yep. So, they take it from his arm. But when he's drawing his blood, she notices that something isn't quite right and determined that the blood sample is too degraded and too poor of quality to be useful for analysis. Now, we're just going to go forward again to 1997. This is a, this is a very actual, this is like a, a very intense change in our story. Okay, wait, well, what happened with the blood sample? Didn't match well it was too there was it was too small. oh so they couldn't okay too degraded yeah. they were like uh, which is, but they weren't like okay let's get another sample well it was technically a volunteer so he was voluntarily handing over Fuck his blood this dude. the police had not forced him to do it yet so because it was voluntary he gave his blood there was like see it didn't work and they're like well it was too small of a blood sample because it was civil suit so he had to volunteer his blood i okay. guess okay yeah so now it's 1997 Schneeberger's wife, Lisa, one day at some point, however this comes about, is talking with her daughter. Her daughter, I'm going to assume, has had some sort of day and needs to talk to her mom. Um, Her daughter is now 15. Her 15-year-old daughter, one day, um, tells her in confidence that for years, her stepdad has been coming into her room at night and giving her injections. Oh my fucking god. Okay. Thank you. Douchebag. Me too. And though Lisa hadn't believed Candy's claims, she immediately, obviously, believes her daughter's claims and starts doing some snooping of her own. In his home office, she finds tons of needles and condoms and little vials of liquid medicines. So, this is where... Fuck this dude. hmm So, with her suspicions, she goes to the police and... Or she goes with this new story and he immediately arrests and... Or they immediately arrest him because this is a child underage so those they just immediately arrest you when you're being 
accused. accused. Yeah. I kept trying to use the word finger, and I just really hate that I, oh, my brain wants yeah, it. Accused. Moving on. Ugh. So they arrest him, and, of course, they have to do another mother-effing DNA test. Jesus. <laughs> this time, he is forced to have the test taken from his finger, not his arm. And they get saliva, and they get hair samples. All three samples match Candy's rape kit. So, Duh! Yeah. F this dude. Mm-hmm. So, because they now tie him to the rape of Candy, who's been accusing him for almost ten years, and I was like, she's a crazy slut. Okay. As well as the unfortunate sexual assaults of his 15-year-old stepdaughter, they take him to court. So, in 1999, he goes to trial. That's just... Okay. So, he's in a trial. Of course, at court, they need to bring the to light how he's been evading DNA tests for almost 10 years. So, in November of 1999, Dr. Schneeberger confesses on the stand that because he was a doctor, he of course had access to a lot of blood samples. He was taking a thin medical plastic tube that was called a Ren Rose drain and filling it with someone else's blood and then he would surgically place the blood just above where the needle would go when the other examiners were extracting the blood from the DNA test. Well, I mean, and that's what I was thinking. Or, I wasn't thinking that exact thing. Because like, I'm not a goddamn doctor. I watch a lot of greys, but I'm not a doctor. But also, like, it's not that. But also, when he was like, my fingertips bruise, I'd be like, bitch, I don't care if your fingertips bruise. That was Give my me first, your finger. Yeah, that was my first like, thing, too. hello, suspicion. I'm sure he was like, I'm a doctor, I need to use these phalanges. You can't bruise it all up. <laughs> these are beautiful phalanges. Ugh. So, eventually... He was found guilty of sexual assault, of administering a noxious substance, and of course, obstruction of justice, and received a, pause? Fuck you. Six-year prison sentence. In 2003, Schneeberger was released on parole after serving four years in prison. He raped a 15-year-old and a 23-year-old, and who, those I'm sure weren't the first. So he, tech, well, it's Canada, so like... I think this is why they say they're so nice. But also, she, the 15-year-old didn't have a ton of recollection of all of that. Because, well, she was mother effing under some sort of right before you go into surgery anesthesia. Gross. <laughs> Come to the USA. See how things work over here, buddy. Well, he can't know, Mo, because in 2003, or that was when he was released, he was stripped of his Canadian citizenship. Citizenship? Jeez, Ron. Um, and that was when he was granted in 1993 due to having obtained his citizenship illegally as he lied to Canadian citizenship judge in claiming that he was not the subject of a police investigation. Jesus. In December 2003, Canada authorities revoked his citizenship and ordered his deportation. So he was deported. Um, being a permanent resident of South Africa, he was returned there in 2004. He moved to Durban to live with his mom. So, short jail time, gets deported, lives with his mom. Also, in that podcast I listened to, they did mention at the very end that he applied again for his um, doctorate there. He tried to... Ew! Yeah, he tried to apply his doctorate for having, like, another kind of... uh, I think, like, a private practice sort of situation. Yeah, he tried to... He just... Yeah. Thankfully, that was denied. However, in South Africa... They do not have, like, a um, uh, child 
a, I'm using the word child molester, but a child offender. There we go. Like a child offender list. So he's not on any list for tracking any of that. I'm just a sex offender. Sex offender. There we go. I don't know why that was not coming to me, but he, there's no sex offender list where he lives. And also he's not in freaking jail anymore. Yeah. So gross guy. Yeah. So, uh, there's that. I hate him. Me Ew. too. All right. So there was mine this week. That was really, I really liked it. Uh, yeah. It's and I of... usually make fun of you when you don't have murder because yeah. I'm a dark and Terrible human. This one did not need murder. It did not. Oh, no, no. I will 100% agree on that. So, anyways, there's a the rape that I can cover. I'm going to hope that you're not, but assuming you might cover also. What are you doing? <laughs> so, I may have pre-warned her. There's a decent amount of rape in mine, unfortunately. Oh, no, don't ever say there's a decent amount of rape ever again. <laughs> Oof. 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 Not good. <laughs> that was a very bad wording on my part. Hi guys, I we like true crime, we talk about it oddly. <laughs> I apologize for the wording on that. There's an indecent amount of rape previously. That is what I meant! Yes. But I meant... <laughs> okay, it was that was a rough start. But Sorry guys, here we go. Here I am. So, today I'm going to be talking about Henry Lewis Wallace. Nope, can't say I've heard of this one. Okay, Maybe that's have. good. Yeah. Um, so Henry was born on November 4th, 1965 in Barnwell, South Carolina to Lottie Mae Wallace and a man who oh, was having... Lottie. Lottie, I know. Yeah, we don't necessarily... She's no. Anyways. If anyone likes Phantom of the Opera, little Lottie. Anyways, moving on. Um, so she he was born to Lottie Mae Wallace and a man who was having an affair with her. Um, and then basically left the picture when she was like, hey, I'm pregnant. And he's like, going back to my wife. Bye. That's, that's as they do. Yes. Okay. Sometimes. Mostly. There's no reason to stereotype here. Okay. Anyways, growing up, he lived in a house with his mother, grandmother, and his older sister, Yvonne. She was three years older than him. His mom was known to kind of roll with an iron fist. Um, she would often discipline Henry for just very minuscule things. And would even, like, if she would come home from work, she would work super long days. She'd come home and be like, you both are acting up. I'm not about it. Like, she didn't put up with shit. Okay. Like, she wasn't like, oh, he knocked something over. It's it's fine. Like, just don't do it again. She was like, okay, so both of you go grab some sticks from the front yard, and I want you to whip each other with them. Oh, Jesus. It would make the siblings, like, hit each other. Yeah, that makes... I always get worried as a mom of a boy... I know this is crazy, but I literally, half the time I'm disciplining him, I'm like, don't make him a bad guy. Don't make him a bad guy. Don't make him a serial killer. So I'm always, and I know that they always have mommy issues. So I'm always like, of course, he'll spill something. I'm like, oh my gosh, I spilled that. So it's fine. We're fine. It's going to be okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So So, he doesn't hit anyone with sticks. That's all I need to say. Yes. Well, I mean, no one hits him with sticks either. But she's making both her kids hit each other with sticks. fucking wild so even though his life at home was not ideal he was very popular when it came to like high school he also i'm just gonna throw this out here like they would make him wear his sister's like clothes like old clothes hand-me-downs because they were pretty poor okay but they also would like parade him around in his sister's clothes kind of thing so he just had some so it's like a little more than just well, he, he had a weird mom, I can tell. Yeah, and I think from a young age he had some lady issues because of this. Yeah. So, 
Instead, or so he very popular in high school, very good with the ladies. Um, just as like a friend. Okay. It sounds like he was very friend zoned. He was friend zoned. He oh, really right. wanted to become a football player, but his mother was like, "No, fuck no, no, you are not." So instead, he became a cheerleader. Which back in the early his mom 90- was just for that. His I mean, mom was just against him being it, a football player. Just didn't want him to get hurt, but wanted him I to don't get. Know. Uh, yeah, I was like, actually, obviously, she's funnier than getting hurt if she has his brother and him hit each other. His sister. Oh, but, sister. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So instead, he became a cheerleader. And became really good friends with all the girls. Especially, like, it was said that a lot of them were, like, his, like, super good friends on the squad. Mm -hmm. Um, And they just got really close. So, they said that he was always there when you needed him. And he was just a gentleman when it came to the ladies. Mm -hmm. So, there's that. Um, He graduated high school and enrolled into a few different colleges. So, he did, like, a semester here, then a semester there. Just trying to figure himself out. Mm -hmm. But overall, he decided it wasn't the right path for him. So, he started working as a desk jockey at a local radio station, and even though he really enjoyed it, he ended up getting fired because, at that time, you could, he was stealing CDs. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's not... Is it desk or disc jockey? Is it disc? Disc jockey. Oh, disc. I, I heard, say, yeah, I I heard desk. desk. I, I did just, say I was desk. like, is that, like, what they call, like, their front desk? <laughs> right? Okay, no, he guy. was a disc so jockey, did, for okay. sure. Okay, okay. Um, and then was stealing stuff and got fired. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. after that, in 1985, Henry enrolled in the Navy, and he married, this is another confliction, it was either his high school sweetheart, okay. which she wasn't mentioned much, so I'm leaning more towards the other one, he, hi- he married his friend. Okay. Um, but Mar- like maybe they did cheer together. Yeah. So maybe they were close, but I don't think that they were high school sweethearts. Um, but he married his friend Maretta Brabram. Brabam. Oh, Bram 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 Bram. Brabam. Brabam. Yeah, it's spelled really weird. Brabam. Um, and he actually, she at this by this time had a daughter with somebody previously. Okay. Which also makes me kind of lean against the high school sweetheart part. Uh-huh. Um, but he ended up adopting her daughter. Oh. So, while in the Navy... Yeah, I know. Super like, sweet. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Um, while in the Navy, Henry started drinking and using drugs. Uh-oh. Particularly crack cocaine. Uh-oh. He started getting into trouble while he stationed... real skinny. <laughs> uh-huh. No? I don't think so. Is he still big? No? Oh. You have pictures? <laughs> He's not the smallest. Okay. So, he started getting into trouble while stationed in Washington for burglaries and ended up getting two years of probation for that. He continued with his burglary spree and was arrested for trying to pawn stolen items and ultimately ended up being honorably discharged from the military. Well, I guess at least he was still honorable. <laughs> People get honorably discharged from the military all the time and it just blows my mind. Oh, that reminds me. I was gonna say in my segment where I was talking about forensic files, you already know this, watch the show Unbelievable on Netflix. Moving on. Yes. It says dishonorably discharged. I mean, not. It says honorably honorable. What the fart? It says that it's honor that he was honorably discharged. Thank you. Yeah. On the wall. It's um, bad. Anyways, moving on. Haven't finished it. So oh, thanks for the spoiler. Doesn't matter. That's not a spoiler. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know who it was. I mean, that's true. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> off topic. So. so he, after he was honorably discharged from the military, he returned home to find his wife was not really a fan of his new lifestyle. Oh, ew, you don't say. He's like, burglary. 
crack cocaine. You were discharged. Not okay. Right. Um, so due to the burglaries and drug use, she ended up leaving him. Good for her. Exactly. Okay. He was pretty distraught about the divorce and ended up moving back home to live with his mom, who now lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. Not to be confused with Charlotte, Georgia, because I was looking this up and I was like, I've been there. And then I was like, I've not been there. North Carolina, no. Yeah. Lots of Charlottes. Lots of Charlottes. Yes. Lots of Marion counties, lots of Charlottes. (laughs) Exactly. So he jumped around from job to job once he was in Charlotte and was known to basically just date a lot of girls. Not like he was a player, but he would just go on dates. Just being single. Yeah. And like Um, probably still doing coke. So like. Yeah. He was just having fun with his crack cocaine, which is different than cocaine. Crack, crack cocaine, cocaine is different than just yeah cocaine. it's more of like a crystallized form i looked this so up like a today. harder drug which made me feel like i was like really innocent <laughs> so i was like i had to look up crack cocaine <laughs> and see why it was different from like the powdery white cocaine substance yeah okay so is is there like a a cocaine a crack cocaine and then just you do so they now? take like cocaine i guess i don't know please drugs. correct me if i'm wrong mother because my mom is a drug and alcohol I was about counselor to say, uh, if you no. know drugs don't tune in now but <laughs> my mom's a drug and alcohol counselor if anyone doesn't know Martha. so she'll be like destiny you're you're idiot you're an she's idiot like, when it comes honey, to this you look and dumb. i love it so much though <laughs> she's gonna be like you look so innocent so from what it when i looked it up it looks like cocaine is basically it's the powdery cocaine mm-hmm. and they mix it with like chemicals and make it into a crystallized version oh. and then i think that's when you like smoke it and stuff oh and mom. that's called crack mom mom <laughs> called- mom <laughs> Mom, mom, tell us about crack. <laughs> Please tell me if I'm wrong. We know Please you're listening. For, and then if people are listening, don't tell me if I'm wrong because you know from experience. Because no, I'll judge you. We asked them to tell us if no, we will not judge you. <laughs> I won't judge you. I apologize. We won't judge you. I said it straight to my microphone, like they're all looking at me. We won't judge you. <laughs> but yeah, like if we were tell at like us. an actual open like audience room, I do like, want to know. Can though. you tell me the difference? And somebody has to know. Yeah. So mother, please tell me. I don't know why I think it's interesting, but I would love to know the difference. I mean, it's good to know. Yeah. So mom, I'm an innocent human. Please tell me. Yeah. The difference between a white powdery cocaine and crack cocaine. Pretty sure it's chemicals. Pretty sure it crystallizes it. And smoking. I think you smoke it. Yeah. But that but like, 100% I feel sure. like for what we do on Wednesdays, and we're doing this regularly, we should know the difference. So, like, someone help I, us. I mean, I looked it up, but also I only looked it up very briefly. I can't wait for Anyways. our inbox on Instagram to be like, crack cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Subject, crack cocaine. Um, so that's where we're at. But, Mom, seriously. Mm-hmm. I'm probably just going to text you after this and be like, hey, so. And she's going to be like, oh, my God, whatever you're doing, stop. <laughs> She's like, please don't do both or either. No cocaine Where are you? you? I'm coming to get you. She's like, stop doing crack cocaine. I'm coming to get you. So, yeah. Anyways. Um, so, once he moved back to Charlotte. Oh, oh, I need a second. I just love that you said, where are you? I'm coming to get you. That's the most... Mom move of all time. I'm coming. Your child texts you crack cocaine and you just throw your phone. I gotta go. (laughs) Where are you going? I don't know, but I have to. Go save Destiny. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) Okay. So we're back. Sorry about what just happened. Um, I'm not. So he jumped around from job to job while he was in Charlotte and was known to date plenty of women, like I said. 
Anyways, so while he was dating all of these women, he ended up meeting Tashandra Bethia. She was an 18-year-old senior in high school who he had frequently take to school, bring lunch, and spend time with. This is another thing that you've talked about before. And, yeah, she was younger. I mean, he was, I think, at this time, probably like 24. So it she wasn't, was in high school? She, but she was 18. Okay. Six I years s- different. Still it's, legal, still weird. That's all I'm saying. Yes. So in April of 1990, a boy was fishing and found a barely clothed woman who had been strangled. Oh. Okay. Escalation just happened. Yeah, so there goes a girl at school. Girl strangled. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It is the same woman. Bethia, last yes. name. So, since Henry was known to spend time with Tashandra, he was questioned questioned about her murder, but no charges were filed. He was just a random boyfriend who showed up at her high school yep. and is older and not weird at all. Yep, yep. He was just a random guy hanging out, talking to her, doing stuff. I don't know if they, she like talked to guys in high school too, and they're like, he's just one. Had a few friends. One of the checks we need to check off to check <sighs> okay. with the check. Yeah, we did lots of checks. He's a check on the checklist. He's a check on the checklist. They're like, okay, well, it's fine. Yeah. He doesn't, he has a criminal history of burglary. burglary. See, it's hard. Burglary. <laughs> um, but, like, he hasn't, no sexual assaults, anything like that. Okay. Anyways, so in May of 1992, Henry picked up sex, so I'm just kind of, he literally just full scale just into jumps into this. Okay. Um, so, so probably, he, she is his first known? From what we know. Okay. And he was actually never charged with this. Hers? With hers. Oh, poop. But obviously speculated because she's mentioned. She is mentioned. So in May of 1992, Henry picked up sex worker and drug dealer Sharon Nance. After Henry and Sharon did what they were there sex to worked. do. They sex worked. Sharon requested her payment and Henry got really mad and he beat her to death and left her body at Damn some... It. What? I'm just mad at him. Yeah. So, and left her body at some railroad tracks where her body was found on May 27th. So, the following month, June of 1992, Henry was dating Sadie McKnight. He took Sadie's apartment key and waited for her roommate, Carolyn Love, to come home. When she came home, he told her he wanted to sleep with her. When she said no, he put her in a chokehold, forcing onto her and raping her. He then choked her with a curling iron cord and took her body to dispose of it in a construction area. He was quoted talking about how he returned to check on her body a couple of times until he had seen basically like she had decomposed so much that he saw bones. And he felt comfortable with that. Yeah, he and would also, just return. I will never look at my curling iron cord the same again. Well, she's dead, so... Exactly. That's why I will not look at it the same. Because so, she was strangled with one. Moving on. I'm mad. Uh, you're going to get way badder. Okay. Um, his next murder came in February of 19th, 1993, when he was a manager at Taco Bell and went to visit an employee, Shauna Hawk. Um, and she had just returned from college, so I don't know if she was like a temporary employee that just popped it or like worked when she was home i mean it's a part-time place i'm sure she was just yeah there i'm guessing then... that's how it worked mm-hmm. um so the two were hanging out talking about how he had recently gotten an argument with his girlfriend and this is going to be a reoccurring thing where girls he just it seems like he has a very soft demeanor so girls like 
are inclined to have conversations with him. All the cheerleaders loved him. Yeah. That's why I keep thinking for some reason. Yeah, he's like a, he's like a ladies, he's like your friend. He's like your guy friend that you can just talk to about your issues. I don't want to, I don't want to name anyone that I do that with now because I'm not going to put that on them. But yes, but we, we have that. We might be thinking of the same person. Exact same one. And if he ever listened to this, he'd be like, Those He's like, bitches. it's me. <laughs> He's like, I'll kill you. As he hides a body somewhere. He's like, Just where's me. your curly guy? <laughs> um, so when he was about to leave, he told her that he wanted to sleep with her. So then he starts to get more confident. Okay. He's like, I want to sleep with you. And she was weary about it. Kind of <laughs> just. I needed to be known as a woman. If someone ever was like, I want to sleep with you. I'd be like, well, not. I'm not tired, so I'm going <laughs> to... I'll see you upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she was wary about it, and it seemed like she was like, okay. Uh, yeah. Where she was just very uncomfortable. Well, yeah. So once they got to her bedroom, he's like, take your clothes off. She and was then, already weary about it, and he, now he's like, take your clothes off. And then she started crying. Well, oh. And so then she's crying the whole entire time that he ends up raping her yeah absolutely that's what he did because she's crying exactly it's called non-consensual exactly the girl is crying it's not because she is emotionally moved to happy tears well sometimes they do <laughs> i was like yeah. ah, i'm putting my but finger usually i was like well usually like you're both emotional there's eye contact he's like are you sad i'm sad i'm happy are you happy <laughs> If either of you are both sad, just stop. All I know is stop. girl emotions are weird, but you can usually tell when they're a no. You can always tell. Yeah. We'll just say always. Uh-huh. Like, if she's crying, please get off of her. You can't tell? Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> We're trying to be counselors. Dude, if she's crying, please get off of her. I don't care if she's happy crying or if she's sad crying. Get off of her. I need Let her us to stop this conversation. We gotta stop giving life advice, but you know what? That's a good... That's a good... If she's crying. It's a good moderate advice. Yeah, yeah. No, get off her. If she's or like, he. If anyone's crying. Get off real quick. Just double check. Just stop. Hey, are you into this? And she's like, I'm crying because I'm not into it. Move away. Oh go my put God, your pants I'm on. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go take a poop. You do. He- you stay here. But if they're like, no, I just love this. You climb back on. It's fine. <laughs> you ain't got to do it. Okay. Okay. So, moving Guys, on. This is Life Please. Advice Hour with Veronica and Destiny. Yeah. Sorry. It also got real... Please don't get mad at us, whoever's listening to this. We didn't mean any offense. No. Disclaimer. Hi, you're listening to a true crime podcast, and she's talking about rape. We're just saying, get off if they're crying. Moving on. So, once um, that was completed, he then told her to get dressed. He strangled her. He literally was like, get dressed, and then he strangled her and left her body in a bathtub where she was later found by her mother and her boyfriend. So, like I said, get off if they're crying because he strangled her. Moving on. Yeah, and then put her in a, remember, he put her in a bathtub because uh-huh. he's trying to wash away evidence of him. Oh, right. So, this on is... June 22nd, 1993, Henry went to visit Audrey Spain, who was a 24-year-old previous previous employee of Taco Bell. Taco this Bell. thing. Yeah. Um, Henry... Anyone else want a crunch wrap right now? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> Awkward. I hate murder. I love crunch wraps. <laughs> I'm Double not decker, sorry. maybe, but okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. I'll take a nacho taco. Anyways. Call your husband. Be like, hey, we need you to bring us some He's about taco to pick bell. me up. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> so, Henry... Okay. So, she worked at Taco Bell. Henry was in need of money to fund his crack addiction. Right, right. Crack. Um, so, while hanging out with Audrey, he tried to get the information for the Taco Bell safe. 
He was like, you work there. You know what it is. He's also a manager, so I don't did know they, why he doesn't. Did they give the... I have. I know nothing about Taco Bell. They just give the safe... To, like, man, upper management. Oh, and she yeah. has a manager. Um, uh, I'm guessing she was because he's asking, but he was also supposedly an assistant manager. Uh, so At Taco Bell? Yeah. Okay. So that's how he knows, That like, would be why, people. how... Yeah. yeah. So, while hanging out with Audrey, he tried to get the information for the Taco Bell safe, but upset that she did not have the information, he raped her and then strangled her to death. He then washed her body off, just like he did with Shauna, trying to remove the evidence. Well, I hate him. Yes. So there's that. And we're going to keep going. So on August 10th, 1993, Henry went to visit his sister's friend, Valencia Jumper. He wanted to talk to her again, like previously, about a fight, mm-hmm. quote, that he had gotten to with his girlfriend. So once he was there, he, once she turned away, he then, like, attacked her and started strangling her. Just on one. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> he raped her. He strangled her. He definitely has an MO now. Um, kill, he killed her. Um, and, but this time it was a little bit different because he, it, I read somewhere that he had soaked her body like in rum, which I think it was probably more like he put just something flammable on her body and then he lit her on fire and then put like food on the stove. So I think it looked like he he was like, she was cooking and died. Do we know if she was like naked or not? Or she had clothes? I don't know. I don't know. But there was a hardcore fire. He was trying to set the scene. Yeah. Like, there was a fire. She died in a fire. Right. And... She was cooking and then didn't run from where she was cooking. Exactly. But it worked because when they did an investigation, they rolled her death accidentally. They're like, oh, darn, she has rum all over her body. Right? (laughs) I guess it's flammable, so it probably turns into not rum. I don't know. It's just, yeah, I'm not sure. know more about forensics. I'm mad. Okay. (laughs) So we're going to move on. So Mm -hmm. on September 15th, 1993, Henry went to visit Michelle Stinson, who was a 20-year-old mom of two, a one-year-old and a three-year-old boy. Uh Uh-oh. She frequently went to Taco Bell, the Taco Bell that Henry worked at. I don't want Taco Bell anymore. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, They stayed up talking. So he goes over there. They're just hanging out, talking once again. And he was about to leave, and he was like, I want to sleep with you again. Right, the I want to sleep with you thing that should work, but doesn't. Yeah. So she told him that she was sick and didn't want to, and he obviously got pissed once again, uh-huh. and he started strangling her. Good and God. they must have made some kind of commotion because her three-year-old son woke up. Yeah. Um, and then that's when Henry stabbed Michelle When the three-year-old son was awake? In front of her kid. Oh, uh, I need a moment. I'll be back, guys. Crime wife. One crime wife out. <laughs> so, uh, you... Moving on. Moving on. So, he wiped... He took a little bit of time, wiped down his fingerprints, though. Um, and then he, like, disp- he, like, threw the knife and the towel that he used for the to wipe off the fingerprints. He threw it over a fence. And the authorities and media that were covering these murders they all just started to kind of freak out because they were like, all of these murders had happened in a, about a year span, mm-hmm. a little over a year, so within a five-mile radius of each other. Oh, and they were Jesus. like, oh, shit. For some reason, that gave me chills because it's like, it's so close. Five miles is, there's, think of the five miles around Yeah, us. exactly. So that many murders, that many women. In so close, to like proximity-wise, so close. And very not, they're brutal. Sorry, strangulation is brutal. Yeah. So it takes two minutes, two minutes before the person will die. 
So that pressured Henry to take a break from his murders. That you don't say. But oh. that and the fact his that he had just fathered a little girl, Kendra. Because uh, uh, he still has a girlfriend, Sadie McKnight. He's been dating oh, Sadie this right. whole entire time. They always do. So, next. Oh, man. wonder what's going to happen when his daughter turns three and he thinks about the three-year-old that was probably crying in the background the whole time. Anyways, moving on. Sorry. I'm a mom. <laughs> Hi. So, uh, five months later, on February 4th, 1994, Wallace was arrested for shoplifting, but was let go, and then he he had, like, a court appearance, but he didn't go to it. Why do they always shoplift? I don't know. He's a he's always, I mean, he is still within, very strongly in his crack cocaine addiction right now. Oh. So, a lot of this, not, I mean, obviously not the rape, not the murder, things like that, but he is stealing from these women just small amounts of things mm-hmm. in order to fund his crack cocaine addiction. Right. So, he's... Yeah, okay. So after he was arrested, two short weeks later, on February 20th, 1994, Henry met up with Vanessa Mack, the sister of a co-worker from Taco Bell, and mother of a seven-year-old daughter and four-month-old daughter. <laughs> okay. They were just talking when Henry was like, hey, give me a hug. And she was like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. So he was like, fine, what about a drink? And she was like, okay. And she turned to grab him um, a drink, and he started to choke her. Then he took her to the room, and he raped her, strangled her, and then he took off again. So at some point, he has to account for the story. So he said, she wouldn't give me a hug, but she was going to get me a drink. But I strangled her? Yeah, he said basically, I wanted a hug. And then, so all, basically everything I'm reading. Mm -hmm. Is his account? Is his account. I just, I can't, for whatever reason, I'm like, he was denied a hug and then strangled her? Mm. Anyways. I mean, but he's very honest about everything else, so I don't see why he would lie about this. There's some things they like to keep secret. I mean, maybe. Yeah. So, uh, um, he, so he started to choke her and then he raped her and he strangled her and he took off. So Vanessa's murder didn't get publicized at all. So pretty sure he just got more cocky at this point. So, whew, doozies. Doozies are coming now. Yeah, a lot of them. They're coming. Oh. Strong. Oh. Oh, there's, okay. So on the night of March 8th, Henry went to the apartment complex his girlfriend Sadie lived at, um... And he went to go visit a girl in particular, Brandy Henderson. So he was like, this was his next target. He was very surprised that her boyfriend, Vernon Woods, was the one that answered the door. Oh. So he expected he would be gone, which okay. they didn't have plans or anything. He's like, I'm going to pop in really quick. Oh. And when the boyfriend answers the door, he's like, hey, what are you doing here, Henry? Because they were friends. He knew oh, him. I was just about to say, did did he target her for, like, a reason that he knew her or that? Yeah. Oh, okay. So then he so was the like. the boyfriend knew him, too. Yes. And he's like, hey, I just wanted to let you guys know I'm leaving town for a little while. So I'm just saying goodbye. And so Vernon's like, okay, goodbye. Hey, we don't care. Bye. So he was going to leave the apartment complex when Henry was like, well, my girlfriend lives here. And knew his girlfriend wasn't home. So he went to her place and knocked on the door and was like obviously got an answer from her roommate betty betty become who was one of the managers of bojangles and she had worked with sadie mcknight oh henry was like hey i need to use your phone can you let me in and she was like yeah yeah you're my i came here to murder someone but she's like she's like you're my roommate's boyfriend yeah you can obviously come in and use our phone yeah and then when she turned her back, he attacked her, 
and he was like, give me the code and the keys to Bojangles. Like, I know you have the keys. I know you have the codes. Basically, I just want to rob them. So for about 30 minutes, she like fought him off. Um, Good job. But then finally was like, fine, fine. Just fucking take it and like go away. And then he like let her go. And she was like, why did you do that? And he was like, I'm just sick. I've hurt a lot of people. It's not a big deal. And then it's not a big deal. He, and that's when he, like, attacked her, and then he raped her. God dang it. Um, and then he robbed their house, and he took a bunch of items to go pawn, and he stole her car. And he's still deep in crack cocaine. Yes. Okay. Because after pawning the items and buying more crack, he returned to the apartment complex, right back to Brandy Henderson's house, or apartment, knowing Vernon the boyfriend that had originally answered the door uh-huh. was now at work. So this is like eight hours later, or not eight hours it's later. The same fucking day. Same day. Few I hours mean, later, sorry, he returns. <laughs> he returns to Brandy's house. He's like, I know Vernon's at work now. I can go there. Okay. So at this point, he was talking, and he was like, Yeah, I need to drop something off for Vernon. And she's like, Yeah, come on in. And they just start chit chatting. And he's like, Can I get a drink? Oh no. He then attacks her, demanding money. Oh, this part that gets me. When she gave him the little money that she had, which was not much at all, mm-hmm. he told her to go to the bedroom. He was about to rape her when she asked if she could just hold her baby, who was in the other room. <gasps> She's not a baby. And she held him literally while he raped her. Oh, I don't know. I'm not a mom, but I'm, like, at first, uh-uh. I think it was probably maybe, like, Mm-mm. I don't know if it had to do with, like, wanting to have your baby with you because you're not sure what's going to happen to you or if it's I trying to, like, moralize like, yourself with as a person. Two or three. Th- yeah. Two or three things. Try to humanize yourself with a monster. You want to be like, hi, here's a baby. Yeah. I have a baby. I'm a mom. There's a baby. And usually, for some people, that works. And probably she said, she thought to herself, okay, I'm going to hold this baby and you're going to, okay, maybe you won't want to do it because I'm going to hold a baby. But also, while he's doing whatever he, his awful deeds are, she's probably like, in somewhere in her brain, I might die. Here's my last moments with my child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So I think it was definitely one of those. Yep. And that's or what all I think, of them. But it was also just like, I read that and I was like, you stupid son of a bitch. Yeah, I nope. hate you so much. Oh, yeah. You have no idea. <laughs> so he then was like, okay, go shower, wash yourself off, basically. And she set the baby in the crib. And I think it was definitely more forceful. Not like, hey, just go jump in the shower. It was like, go I'll to the kill shower you, now. jump in the shower. Uh-huh. Um, and then... Like he's very deep into this. And if he's still on drugs, a part of him is not even his like, normal self. Exactly. So he continued to wipe down the apartment like he usually Which did. Which might even be why he raped her while she's holding a child. Because he's on drugs. Yeah, I mean, possibly. Sorry. So, anyways. Or he was just a sick motherfucker, because uh, he is. Okay. <laughs> All of the above. Um, so, when she was done showering, he strangled her. And she died? And she died. The baby started crying, and he tried to give it a... Pe- <laughs> Please oh, no. don't look at me like that. <laughs> I won't look at The baby was started crying, and he tried to give it a pacifier, but it would not stop crying. So, he started to strangle the baby, and once it stopped crying, he stopped strangling the baby and took off and the baby did live <gasps> thank you okay i can breathe moving on so sorry. obviously sorry adults that died yes but the baby lived um okay. obviously by now police are like 
crapping themselves. They're like, oh my god. Yeah. What is happening? So they took three, and I don't know which specific three of the victims, but they took three of the victims and they were like, who, and they asked like the people around them, who would they have let maybe in their house? Yeah. Also, just a quick sign. Can you imagine being a police officer in that area at the time? Like, holy shit, we got to do something. Yeah. And then, like, the next one that comes out, they're getting so much worse. Exactly. Yeah. So, no. Anyways. I could not. (laughs) So, they were like, who, they talked, or these three victims, they partnered with their families and friends, and they're like, who are people that they might potentially let in their house? Henry popped up on all three of these lists. Okay. Also, the same day that, like, they were kind of putting two and two together about this, or the list, or they're like, maybe this is a suspect. They found Betty's car that was originally stolen. He had wiped down all of the fingerprints except the one on the trunk. Oh. On so the trunk of it, all the places. All like, the places. Well, well, that's extra incriminating. <laughs> so, like a full handprint. Like, oh, full on yeah. handprint. And they matched it to him. They're like, okay, oh. well, we know who this is. And uh, while all of these pieces were getting put together, Henry was visiting Deborah Slaughter. Oh, no. That is literally her fucking last name. I mean, <laughs> who worked at Bojangles with Sadie, his girlfriend, mm-hmm. and her room, her now deceased roommate. She also was a fan of crack. Oh, so, I mean, yeah. Henry asked Deborah, he was like, hey, you want to pitch on some crack cocaine? That's just what happened. And he she was like, no, life. this is for like my rent. I don't have the money for that right now. And he got super pissed and he started choking her. That is when she straight up was like, oh my fucking God, it was you. You killed Betty, you killed Brandy, and his response was literally, give me head. Wait, 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 wait. So she's getting strangled. Did she say to him yeah, it was you? Yeah, she's like, you killed, it was, oh, and she I like, love her. I know, she <laughs> like came at him, and she's like, it she was, was like, fucking you. Because she lived in the same apartment co- complex, she worked at Bojangles with these two girls. At this point, I'm sure it's on the news, she's probably suspicious Exactly. And so she, and then he was like, give me head. And she literally said, this is a quote, I don't do that. You might as well go ahead and kill me. Oh, hi. Love me me some Deborah. Yeah, dude, Deb. So he tightened the towel and he started choking her more and was like, are you sure about that? Do you want to rethink your answer? Absolutely. And she was like, yeah, I'm not giving you head. I was like, savage. (laughs) Yeah, that dirty dick. It's a note for me. (laughs) Bye. Bye. We're both bi girls. Bye. Okay. <laughs> um, so he then unfortunately raped her mm-hmm. and then took the knife that she kept in her purse because they like knew like, each other frequently. Yeah, and also she knew what was about to happen. Like she was like, all right, right let's yeah, go. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. And so he took the knife. She had kept a knife in her purse and he took the money that she did have and she slapped him and she like yelled for the cops. She's like, call the cops, call the cops. And that's when he started strangling her. And he sat in her legs because she started kicking the ground. Uh-huh. And uh, so, like, to stop her from kicking and alerting, like, the neighbors in the apartment complex. Right. And there was definitely a struggle during that. And he grabbed her knife and stabbed her 38 times. Oh. I'm sorry. I knew your face was thinking it might go a different direction. I was so stoked for Deb. However, if he's the one who recalled this story... You know she was probably even more badass. Than I know, that. right? She's like, she's like, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. Um, so because if those are the details he's call like recalling about her, he's mad about who Deb was. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> That's like, all I know. Fuck this bitch. And then he's only telling the part that like, he go, wants you, to tell. Go you, go <laughs> you. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, and 38 times. Granted, I understand that some people just out of rage, but probably she was fighting for her goddamn life. Yeah, and he is, and he was pissed about how that whole entire situation had gone. So he's like, ding, 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 ding. How have I never heard of this person before? I don't know. I hate him. So after this, he headed to a friend's house, and the following day was found by the police. He almost immediately confessed to all of the murders, going into detail for 12 hours with the I cops. I mean, it's a lot of people to confess to. Yes. yes. But eight months later, he was like, I was coerced into the whole thing. I didn't. Like, I was coerced yeah, into the I, confession. Like, I didn't mean to confess all that. They held out, like, my snacks and food and they didn't give so me I was so hungry that for 12 tired. hours I told a lot of stories. Yeah. Like, we're all thinking it. We're like, this stupid ass. But it obviously postponed his trial. And then he said that, and then, like, they're like, what else can we do to prolong everything? And he was like, well, I wasn't read my Miranda rights. Okay. So it continued to delay the trial. He did. He was. Oh. They acknowledged it. Um, But he continued to delay the trial. And about two years later, in September of 1996, his trial began. The biggest fight between the defense and the prosecutors was not if he was guilty or not. Like, everybody's like, this guy's totally guilty. He's guilty of all the it's, things. Is he going to receive, like, life in prison or is he going to receive Get the, the death penalty? Mother effing death penalty that he deserves. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> and on January 29th, 1997, he was given nine death sentences. And as of right now, he's sitting on death row. Still? Still on death row. I know. I was like, is he dead? Where is he? Um, <laughs> Destiny so, at 2 p.m. today. Or 5 p.m. Is he dead? <laughs> tell me he's dead. <laughs> Just in caps. Tell me dead. Um, so the they do call him row. the Taco Bell, like, serial killer, basically. Mm. And when I saw that nickname, I was like, mm, I have to it's, do it. I still want to like Taco Bell. I love Taco Bell. I don't blame you, Taco Bell. And then they also called him, like, the Charlotte serial killer or the Charlotte Slayer or something along those lines. Um, I will mention that while reading this back to you, I did all, like, obviously all of this, I always write it all myself, Mm -hmm. but I do take a lot of, I take all the information I can, I mean, I just don't know this off the top of my head. Compile it. So, um, I did get some of this information off of Tapatalk, um, Thought Co., Murderpedia, I listened to a crime, or part of a crime podcast, uh, Once Upon a Crime, so I got a lot of information, Wikipedia, just a from a lot of different sources, and I just want to throw that out there. Um, but also, while reading it back, I just realized, what do you think was going through Sadie's head? Because literally two of her roommates were murdered. That's, um, yeah! Two of them. I mean, I was wondering like the, that Like, one the... of the first ones was her roommate, and then one of the last ones was her was roommate. Was her roommate, which is... Like, like, at what point are you like, how oh, did you... Common did... factor, my significant other. Yeah! I don't know what, how... Yikes. Yeah. Like, how did... I'm, I wonder if at, at any point in time during the investigation that was going on with the five-mile radius, had had she called in... Did she? Is there any sort of, like, indication of her no. calling in and saying, Hey, I'm a little curious. Also a little suspicious. Or, in her brain, was she like, Oh my gosh, he striked again. <laughs> like, oh gosh. I have no same? idea. But I literally I, was reading. I understand, it I was like, oh. like the I, I don't know why, but because no, I do know why. A lot of true crime. Um, just I take it in and I compute it out. 
if someone were to call me and be like, dude, your husband, I'd be like, you know, it's just a thing that I, so maybe for her, she was like, not mine. Absolutely not mine. Mine's so great. He's so nice. Have you seen how obsessed Which mine is with sucks. my cat? It's <laughs> like, no, he couldn't hurt a fly. It just sucks that they're so good at like embodying the the good guy. It's, yeah. The it's guy just like the just master the manipulation. Yeah. So I just do want to throw out in March of 1993, one of the victim's mothers, um, Dee Sumter and her, in the victim's godmother, Judy Williams founded Mothers of Murdered Offspring. Oh. Which sounds a little... I mean, it's dark, Ooh. but it's obvious. What... Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's go... a Charlotte-based support group for parents of murdered children. And I thought that was... It was obviously I hate that awful. it's a thing, but that's beautiful. Yes. It's awful that it has to be a thing, but it's great that it happened. So yeah. I just wanted to also call that I out. I mean, that's a tiny, tiny, little, awful, good thing. Yeah. Not good. It's a good a beautiful thing that was made out of a bad thing exactly yeah that was a perfect way of putting it um yeah so that was mine man that was rough <laughs> it was rough man when i started looking up mine i was like this can be it's gonna be deep it's gonna be rape it's gonna be awful i hate men blah 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 and then you did yours, and I was like, well, hit him more. And also, mine was not as heavy. Hmm. Always. You always, always got me as your back end to know that I'm just going to be like, and good night. Yeah. Welcome to Crime Lives. You think Ronicas was bad. Wait for Destinies. <laughs> Literally every time. It will get darker. Every mother, every time. Like, it's like, can we start with Destiny and then kind of work our way into something Dude, if lighter? we start with you, people are like, I'm going to tune out. I'm going to, um, I'm crying. Or so, some people are like, yeah, that's what I came like, here yeah. for. Yeah, so if you're, if this is what you came here for, you're welcome. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're, I mean, you're literally listening to a true crime podcast. So. Welcome. And also, goodbye. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> crime Wives out. <laughs>